welcome back to Zoom with Zarni. Uh, this is a uh, production of the United Democrats of Onondaga County, and uh, we're doing these town hall interviews, town hall style interviews, uh, and candidate interviews because of the current COVID crisis out there. There's so many community meetings and all kinds of other things that are not happening right now. And, and so in an effort to be able to inform the public uh, and, and give them an opportunity to hear and see from candidates, uh, we are doing this town hall series. Uh, and today I have the great honor of bringing my friend, city court judge, uh, Roy McMahon, who is running for Supreme Court judge uh, for the fifth district. Uh, which uh, encompasses six different counties. It, and what people don't know about Supreme Court is that it's one of the largest um, districts that somebody can run in that's not running statewide in New York State. It's a huge race, and I'm happy to have him. Judge McMahon, thank you very much for coming on to the Zoom with Zarni Town Hall series. Thank you for having me. So, Judge McMahon, um, you're, we, we and I, you, you and I have known each other for a very long time. And uh, uh, ever back uh, from uh, when you were uh, on the council, and uh, corporation council, and, uh, uh, and I, uh, I, I watched you rise uh, through the democratic process and, uh, and, through, the Demo and, and through public office. And uh, I've always, you've always had a great sense of humor about you. You've always had uh, a wonderful way, and I know that you love campaigning, but campaigning has to be different right now for you. Yes, absolutely. It's very challenging, and as you led off with, it's six counties. It's Jefferson, Herkimer, Lewis, Oneida, Onondaga, and Oswego, so it's the biggest geographical area, even bigger than Congress. You know, I cover three congressional races in my district, and it is extremely challenging during COVID because there aren't the parades you can get to to get your name out there. There aren't the town halls, there aren't the, the meetings, there aren't the fairs, the cheese festival, you know, there's a lot of things missing dude that helps you get your name out there. So unfortunately you're, you're left at the will of people telling you where there are small events that they wouldn't mind you coming to even if there are existing. Other than that, you know, you're just out putting up signs and, and calling and, and because you can't even knock on doors, you know, people don't like being disturbed at this time and they don't like opening the door and I don't blame them. You know, as you know, petitioning is very challenging in this district and when we were out petitioning in February, you know, people weren't coming to their door, they're not comfortable and you can't blame them, but you do what you can to get out there in the circumstances, you know extremely challenging, extremely difficult, extremely big district, but you know, we're going out and putting up signs and meeting people and doing the best we can. So you are an experienced uh, uh, candidate. I guess that's a, uh, uh, you've uh, had a lot of hats, uh, yes. uh, but I, I think a lot of the public, you know, especially in Syracuse probably know you, but maybe around the county of Onondaga, but also around the other counties may not know your full background. So you want to share that with us? Sure. I started off uh, graduating SU Law School, born and raised in Syracuse. My father was a Democratic committee person from the time I was born all the way up. So we had worked on elections and knocked on doors. And I knew a petition was when I was eight years old. You know, I knew when petitioning season was because it was always hot going out with my father. Um, after law school, I became an assistant district attorney in Bill Fitzpatrick's office. Uh, I was assigned to Special Victims Bureau. 
And from there, I, I prosecuted a, a large number of sex crimes. And from that, we noticed, you know, there's a void, you know, these child advocacy centers started to spring up around the country. And if you think about it, when a child is traumatized by either physical or sexual abuse, it can be a, a nightmare internally for them, right? So now after they reveal it, which is extremely traumatizing, then they have to go to the police station. Then they have to go to Child Protective Services. Then they have to go, you know, to Upstate Hospital. So my family and I got together with a couple other people in the community, and we started the McMahon Ryan Child Advocacy Site so that these kids that I was working with have one place to go that's child-friendly, the colors are bright, you know, they get, may get a teddy bear when they walk in there if they want one, you know, we make quilts for mom, you know, we have these volunteers that make quilts and, and give them to mom or dad, and, and that way everybody comes to them. The DA's office comes to them, you know, the child protective workers, we have medical facilities there, so the doctors come to them, so the child isn't going into all these strange, frightening places when they're in this high trauma sense. You know, everybody comes to them. It's called co-location. We even have the police department there. The APU, APU unit is stationed there. So they go to one place and everybody comes to them. And again, you know, the other big thing about McMahon Ryan is we continue with services long after the criminal case or the family court case has gone away. The services are still there. And it's not just services for the child. It services for mom or dad to experience and, and let them know what's going to happen and give them services and, and help them through that. So after setting up that up with uh, several family members and people from the community, um, we found a building and, and rehabbed this building and then we grew bigger and we had to move out of that building. Uh, but back to my career, when I left there, I joined the Common Council, as Justin Dustin said, the Syracuse Common Council, and I served on that. Uh, prestigious board for uh, one term. I had two kids under two at the time, so I did not run again. After that, uh, I was in the office of Bob Durr, where we did uh, all sorts of gamut of law, general practitioner, if you will. From there, I became corporation counsel under Mayor Driscoll. Now that title, people get confused on. It's basically the head of the law department for the city, right? So we face everything coming at us from the city, all kinds of lawsuits, property disputes, zoning. And so from there, I was in Supreme Court, you know, constantly, because that's where majority of our cases wound up was in Supreme Court. So I have the experience from, from serving there as well. After that, I was uh, uh, appointed by Stephanie Minor to the Syracuse City Court. Uh, did a brief stay at the airport where people are often confused. So let me explain the airport experience and how that came to be. Back when I was on the Common Council and I was doing research after, you know, when I was running and figuring out, you know, what kind of impact can somebody make? You know, uh, Mayor Young, Tom Young came to me, he was no longer mayor, and he said, you know, one of the things we, I didn't accomplish, one of the things really needs to be accomplished is we need an airport authority. The airport should not be run by the city. It needs to be its own authority. So it's not under the strings and bureaucratic tape that the city is under. And when I looked at it and looked at our, our landing costs and our takeoff costs that we charge the airlines, we are so much higher than some of our competitors, right? And so that caused what's caused leakage, which is when somebody from Syracuse drives to Rochester or drives to Buffalo to fly out. Well, that hurts our local airport, you know, that leakage and it had to stop. And one of the things we did is uh, 
you know, when I was corp counsel, I asked Stephanie Minor, you know, I said, can I go to the airport to finish this up? I had been working on it since 2002. And by this time it was 2009. And I was very close to getting the ball. I hate using sports analogies, but getting the ball over the goal line. Because once we become an airport authority, there's a lot more tools at our disposal to get that landing fees down to charge the airlines less, which means you pay less flying in and out. Warren Buffett had a famous quote. He said, the most important street in any business district is its runway. If you can get people flying in and out cheaply and efficiently, your, your community will strive, thrive, excuse me. And I always took that to heart and the message Tom Young gave me. So when I went to the airport, you know, I worked on that diligently and Governor Cuomo signed the legislation making Syracuse Airport an authority. And if you notice right away, Go back to 2009 and look at the airport then compared to today. You know, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's more efficient. We don't have the long lines going through security on two ends. You know, we had two ends and long lines. Sometimes we'd have a huge line on one end and no line on the other. But TSA, because of certain rules, couldn't move people over there to open up another gate. That's why it's centrally located now. Um, and if you noticed, you know, we've got some additional airlines coming through. Unfortunately, during COVID, you probably haven't been out there, but it, it's it's definitely a beautiful airport. It's more efficient. It's the, the hopefully they will continue to grow and get additional airlines in. So after that, I was uh, I went on to become a city court judge, where I've served for ten years. So I have the judicial experience. I have the Supreme Court experience. You know, of practicing there, um, and that gives me experience, and that's where I am. You know, I've served for ten years in city Syracuse City Court. I'm what's called the animal cruelty judge. So any animal abuse cases I handled. And, and about two years ago, I started uh, the care court program. Care courts are different than drug court. It's meant to just solely zone in on the opiate epidemic, right? And what we found is, you know, by basing this model off of Buffalo and stealing some of their ideas that the people come in every day. So if you have criminal charges and you have a heroin problem, you have to come in every day and tell me without an attorney, without the district attorney, just tell me and the caseworkers, you know, what you're doing every day to move away from the heroin and move towards a better life. You know, they have to do one thing every day and they have to come in and tell me. And they also have to come in and tell me what they're grateful for. And this is something we worked on and we had great success with it. COVID has hurt us. You know, the worst thing for certain people going through this, this addiction is isolation. And unfortunately, you know, that's, we've all been a little bit isolated, you know, but uh, we still have a lot of people in the program. We, we Skype with them every day and we're still plugging along. And, and so that's one thing I'm really proud of, you know, when a mother comes in and tells me, you know, you, you saved my son's life. I thought for sure, you know, it was over. I, he couldn't stop. And, you know, we have so many success stories like that. We've had some challenges and some failures as well, you know, which is devastating to the program, but we're keep going and, and it's great. So that's my experience. And, and that's why I'm qualified to run for Supreme Court. Well, this is kind of off topic, but you're the animal cruelty judge. And, uh, you know, we had news in Syracuse uh, earlier this week that there's going to be a dog park uh, opening up. And I think that's uh, excellent. That, that is something that is excellent for the city yes. of Syracuse. Um, well, you talked a little bit about the CARES co court and yep. uh, what, you know, what, what you were able to do uh, on the city court judge bench. Why run for Supreme Court? What, what 
um, what about Supreme Court uh, makes you feel like you want uh, to, uh, you know, why do you want to take this next step? Right. Um, so I love the law, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm a history minor and history and the law are, are interwoven and I just love the law. And this is a much broader aspect of, of, of challenging cases in the law. And I've worked in Supreme Court, as I said, as corporation counsel, and I love those cases. I love the challenges it presented. And, you know, I, I, I love city court, don't get me wrong. It was an opportunity to make a big difference to people, right? You know, but it, it's another step that I really love the law and the area of law they practice there. And it's something I did as corporation counsel and something I'm really excited about. So what does Supreme Court do? I mean, what... Yeah, you know the law, yeah. but uh, the people that are voting on this don't necessarily know what the different departments of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of law do. So, what does Supreme Court handle? What what uh, what types of cases uh, go on mm -hmm. in Supreme Court? Perfect. Well, you have your uh, property disputes, your brown boundary disputes, if you will. You have your um, major car accidents or medical malpractice case where you've, in, unfortunately, if you're in an experience where you have to sue a doctor or a hospital, that goes to the Supreme Court. Um, any other, you know, uh, matrimonial cases, all of the matrimonial cases go to Supreme Court. Um, certain housing court violations wind up in Supreme Court depending on certain circumstances. Uh, demolitions, if you're a building or house has to be demolished, you know, they wind up in, some of them wind up in Supreme Court. So it handles a wide variety of things. Um, the additional contract disputes with a contractor or, or breach of contract disputes, you know, there's a wide variety of cases. And that, that's what's really intriguing me, you know, to, to be able to get in there again and, and handle these issues. And, you know, the temperament I've learned and, and, and brought from city court, I, I will be very beneficial to, to getting into Supreme Court. I think you're on mute, Dustin. You mentioned it at the top. Um, this is a, a huge undertaking because you're not just running inside the city of Syracuse. You're not just running inside the county of Onondaga. You have this six county span. Um, and, uh, you're really going, you have so many different uh, geographic areas and rural, mm -hmm. urban, small cities, big cities, um, you know, farm areas, uh, you know, so you, the Supreme Court really rules on a lot of different um, types of people in types of law. Mm -hmm. And how do you, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you handle all these different types of backgrounds? I, I, I know the law is the law and that's good, but you also still have to deal with the people that are coming before you. Right. One thing I learned in city court is a quote from Dale Carnegie. You know, he said, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. And when you honestly try to see that and see why they're in court, you know, you have to let them be heard. You have to let them make their argument. You have to let them to have their day in court, you know what I mean? And it goes back to having the right temperament to handle these cases, you know? And so that that's another challenge that I'm looking forward to. So the Supreme Court um, and judges in general are really uh, 
not able to answer a lot of specific questions. That's one of the reasons why when we do these Zooms, we don't uh, necessarily bring in a lot of live questions because it's hard for you to take specific positions and, and because of judicial ethics. Um, and, and, you know, I think the reason for that is because they don't want you to prejudge cases. And, right. and, and but, um, so you're really running on personality and temperament. That is uh, some of the, you know, the qualifications. And, yes. uh, and, you, and you can't, you don't even really talk about your opponent. I think people don't realize that you're, you're, it's really one of the purest forms of campaigning. So, Talk to us about Rory the man. Well, why, uh, why, why did you know law speak to you growing up and becoming a judge um, instead of a practicing attorney? Why, why did you go that route? You know, I remember having a conversation with Brian DeJoseph. He used to be in city court. Now he's in Supreme Court. And he said, you know, the greatest experience he had was probably being in city court. You really get to make a difference in people's lives. You know what I mean? You can take the young kid that maybe made a mistake and, and try to turn his life around, you know, give him an opportunity to, to, to get out of this trouble and realize the errors of his ways, you know. And I remember hearing that and I remember seeing it personally sitting in Judge Joseph's courtroom as a DA and as a defense attorney and thinking, you know what, this is, this is such a great experience, you know, that he has to be able to touch these people's lives and, and try to settle these disputes and, and help the young person. And I said, that, that calls to me, you know what I mean? That, that something about, you know, the way he phrased it really called to me. And that's really what I wanted to try to do. So when you're, uh, you've been on the bench now for 10 mm -hmm. years. In yes. And you can't really talk about future cases, but is there a case or a specific uh, moment in city court that you reflect on a lot and, and, and uh, you know, kind of tells us about your judicial philosophy, maybe? Sure. Uh, I think there's so many I could touch on, but one intriguing one was um, I was at the mall and I don't even remember what store I, I don't even remember what store it was. And the person waiting on me had this big smile on her face. And it was a young teenage girl. And I said, um, it was, I was getting some service done because she needed my name. And I said, do you need my name? And she goes, Rory McMahon. And she had this big smile. And I said, okay, I'll bite. How'd you know my name? And she said, you were, and she whispered it because she didn't want her boss hearing it. She said, you are my judge. And uh, I was looking at her and she looked so familiar, but you know, nine years on the bench, you know, it's hard to remember all the cases. And I just remember her smile. And then, you know, she told me a little bit about what happened and I remember the case. And I remember, you know, giving her that extra time to complete community service and making sure she didn't have a record. And she promised me, you know, she was on the right. And her grandmother came into court with her almost every day, which is such a great scene you know a lot of these kids come in and they have nobody supporting them. and she goes I want to thank you for for everything you did because you know I'm I'm getting great grades in high school you know I'm looking at OCC next year I think I'm going to go there and I've, I've had this job for over a year and if the case went the other way you know I don't think I'd have any of this and she goes I always wanted to thank you and my grandmother always told me I should write you a thank you letter and I, I always kept putting it off and forgetting to do it. So I'm so glad you're here. 
and my daughter was there with me, my teenage daughter. And she said, that was so touching, you know, that, that was like really inspiring to her, you know, seeing this girl thank me and, and telling me, you know, how her life went this way and it could have went that way. And that's just one of, of many, you know, I mentioned earlier about care court, that mother that came in to see me that said, you know, not only did I save her life, you know, because her life would have been over if her son OD'd, you know, but I see her, her son's life and her husband and the sister. And they used to come in all the time with, with the family member, this young man who had a car accident and got addicted to the opiates. And then we know the story, right? And they were actually saving money for his funeral. They were saving money for this young man's funeral. A teenager, you know, and she came in in tears. You know, I had a one, another woman um, who was in a wheelchair and her husband got addicted to it. And she used to wheel in every day. And, you know, she said, he takes care of me. You know what I mean? He's, he's my caretaker. She, was a, she still worked from home and she had a good job. And she said, but I was scared because if he died, you know, I may have had to go to a place I didn't want to have to go to because he's taking care of me. He does the shopping and the cleaning and I can't fully take care of myself with all my uh, medical problems. So by saving him in this program, helping saving him, you actually extended my life because I wouldn't have made it in a, in a, in a home like that, you know? And so things like that, that just extremely touching and gratifying. And it's, it's not just me. They did the hard work. You know what I mean? I just made them come in and tell me every day they did the hard work. So stories like that I'll often, I'll often remember for the rest of my life. Well, we're on with uh, Judge Roy McMahon, who's running for Supreme Court uh, in the 5th Judicial District, uh, serving Onondaga, Herkimer, Jefferson, Lewis, uh, Oswego, and Oneida. <laughs> right. Yes. I almost remembered them all. Um, so uh, we're, you, you talk about th that you, you kind of uh, touched on it earlier, that you had some young children, and now they're, they're grown, mm -hmm. and but you're a parent dealing with the COVID crisis, just like yeah. the rest of us, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that I think we're wondering about is how this COVID crisis is going to affect uh, at-risk youth and mm -hmm. uh, people that maybe don't have the support at home. And are they going to end up in the judicial system? Or are they going to end up on, you know, not in, not in school, but, maybe out causing trouble, uh, you right. know, and, and, and getting themselves uh, into some trouble. I mean, it, you know, if you wanted to speak about that, you know, as a father, but also, you know, as, as someone who's involved in the judicial system, how are we going to deal with this? Right. It, it's going to be extremely challenging, you know. Uh, I'm glad the Syracuse City Court is starting next week, or City uh, School District is starting next week. I think it's very important. Um, you know, I know they're going in and putting Wi-Fi in, in people's houses that don't have Wi-Fi, which is a, a huge hurdle. And I got to give the school board credit for that because that is that is a big, big uh, plug they're doing there. And I, I've actually seen it because I'm actually now sitting in family court. I've uh, had a recent retirement of a judge that had taken over his calendar as well. So I'm, I'm actually serving two hats right now. And so I've, I've seen it where the school district is going in and putting in the Wi-Fi services so kids can connect. I'm hoping, hoping 
that you know they're the teachers are still able to connect over the electronic media and and be able to touch the kids as they would if they were in person you know for the ones that fall through the crack and i hope it's not more um but you know we'll, we'll have to deal with it you know we've gotten this this country has gotten through so many crises in our 244 years that this is another crisis that we have to raise to the challenge and, and address this and that's going to be one of the biggest problems you know let's see it's the, the youth and it's the economy coming back after this. And we're, we're, we're going to have to address it, but we can, you know, we just have to unite to be able to do it. You know, division and yelling across the table is not going to help anybody. You know, I mean, I think back after 9-11 and how united we were, you know what I mean? We're, we're a united country. Everybody was flying the flag. And it just seems now for whatever reason, I can't comment on whatever reason it is, you know, we're, we just seem more divided. We, we judge each other about who they voted for in the last election, you know, instead of looking at the contents of the person's soul, you know what I mean? And it's, it's sad because we really need to unify to help the kids after this crisis is over because there is going to be a gap and there are going to be kids that fall through it. So we're, uh, uh, you know, coming towards the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the future crisis and we're talking about the judicial system, um, do you, you know, do you believe that we're at enough uh, justices on, on the bench? I mean, is this, is this something that, you know, I know that a lot of times we're bringing um, you know, uh, county judges up to as acting Supreme Courts, we have appointed acting Supreme Courts. Is there something that, you know, should be done to add judges to the bench? Is the, is the overload too much? Or is that something that you can comment on at all? Um, it's going to be very interesting, you know, uh, to be tried on a felony. You know, I was doing county court for two years, you know, when they had a little bit of a backlog there, I was promoted to county court. It's called, you know, an additional acting county court judge, which means I was doing a lot of the county court cases, which are a higher level felonies, you know what I mean? The higher crime. And, um, you know, in order to be tried on a felony, you have to go through the grand jury first. Well, we didn't have a grand jury for several months. So there's a right. huge backlog in county court right now. There's a backlog in family court, all the petitions that have been filing. There's a backlog in city court, you know, between traffic tickets and evictions. I mean, there, there's a backlog everywhere. Um, I, but, you know, the state's in the situation where we don't have enough resources to, to hire more judges, unfortunately. I wish we did. I wish the federal government would do something maybe to help us. Um, unfortunately, we received news that a couple judges, tough to explain. So once you hit 70, it's mandatory retirement, but you can get permission from the court system out of Albany to extend on and continue to do trials to relieve some of that, right? Well, they just cut two judges here uh, in the fifth judicial district who are over 70. So that's going to create more of a backlog. Um, so to answer your question, there is going to be a serious backlog. Um, we can't, obviously at this time where we need to cut our budget, not increase it. Hopefully there'll be something that happens in the future. I can't jump into, you know, what my hope is, you know, cause that gets into controversies, but to, right. to alleviate some of these budget problems. 
Well, was I, that judicial I, enough? Was that judicial enough? Did they dance around it? Enough? I think Did so. You, I think you got it. I uh, I mean, I can't. I, you can't comment, but I've, I'm actually very surprised. I didn't even think about that. Uh, you know, I've been very vocal about the inaction of the federal government right now in, in saving local governments and state governments on the election end, but on the local end as well. And I didn't even really think about how this is affecting the judiciary. Now we've lost two judges and we already have a backlog and wow. I mean, it's yeah, just- I told Dustin, you and I both worked for the city back in 08 during right. the financial crisis. Little known fact, Dustin did work for me. I mean, I, we should probably throw that out there. He was great. I get it. Full disclosure, Roy <laughs> was my boss for about two years, a year. I can't remember yeah. before I went over to uh, Probably about a year and a half and then you were promoted. Yeah. Right? They got rid of me. They moved me over to DPW. Uh, but but the, uh, yeah, no, uh, and you were a great boss. You were. Oh, uh, thank you. Very, very kind, very understanding, and uh, always collaborative. And that's what's led you to your career right now. Uh, oh, so, thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, is what don't we know? What should, what else should we know about you? You know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Syracuse. I raised three kids here. Uh, my oldest daughter, she's at college. I have a junior and a fifth grader. You know, I'm invested in this community. I've, I've been here my whole life. I'm the youngest of seven boys that grew up here in, in the city of Syracuse. And, uh, you know, I love this community. I want to serve it in any way I can. And, you know, hopefully the, I'll win this race and be able to serve it on the Supreme Court. Um, you know, I've been a Democratic committee person since a young age. I've, I've delivered more literature and gone to more, you know, fundraisers at different venues and throughout the city that I can shake a stick at, you know. Uh, but I'm invested in it. And I, I love this community and love the opportunity to serve the people in the 5th Judicial District. So where can go, people go to help, um, you know, if they want to volunteer, learn more about your campaign? Where can they go to help? Uh, JudgeRoryMcMahon.com is my webpage. If they could go there, there's a place there that they can sign up to be a volunteer or take a lawn sign. Um, we're looking for people holding up signs on, on election day. Um, we're looking for, you know, anybody that hears any small group, little house party that they're having a few people over to, to meet candidates. We'd love to join them there. If, if, you know, it's not too big and not too much of an inconvenience. And, uh, you know, we're just going, you know, it's very tough. We're going all over the fifth judicial district trying to do this. So if you know any relatives that you, they live in Jefferson or Herkimer or Lewis or Oneida or Oswego, we'd love for you to contact them and ask them to check out my webpage and possibly support me with their vote. It'd be an honor to have, you know, that's the biggest thing is getting your name out there. Well, you know, you get a robocall from me. That's one thing. If, you know, your cousin in Syracuse or Onondaga County calls you, that's a complete different thing, asking you to come and look at my, my webpage and my experience and everything I've done with my life. Well, Judge McMahon, uh, I, I'm so, you know, you, I, you know, we will talk about one more thing um, because the makeup of the district is so diverse and so uh, geographically different, but it's also politically different as well. Mm -hmm. You have a, mm -hmm. A blue county like Onondaga, which um, dominates it in population, but in the surrounding counties are more red counties, though yes. 
over the last 10 years, this district has become closer and closer, Democrat versus Republican. But you're also on the conservative uh, line, so you've already kind of bridged that divide yes. of yep. um, geogra geographic and, and uh, ideological differences. So um, how are you going to win votes outside of Onondaga County? You know, you just try to go and meet people and, you know, try to see that you have the experience and the temperament. You know, we're not side deciding a lot of political issues, right? We're deciding, you know, you want, a, you want a good judge in front of you, someone that's going to be fair and impartial and give you your day in court and let you speak and be heard. And, and when they see that, you know, and that's what the conservatives saw too. They saw I have the temperament. They looked into that. They looked into my background. You know, and they, they see like this is the person that we want as a judge, you know, somebody that will listen to both sides and be fair and impartial and be able to serve out. It's a 14 year term, you know, and be able to serve out that 14 year term. All right. Well, Judge McMahon, uh, thank you very much for coming on Zoom with Zarni and speaking. Uh, we'll be posting this uh, shortly. If you're listening to this or uh, seeing it, uh, because of the age of COVID, it's very hard for people to get around. Uh, so if you like what you see, share it on your feeds, uh, get it out there, let people know about it, about this, so they can have an informed choice this November. Uh, this Sunday, I will be talking to Perry Grossman of the New York Civil Liberties Union about the ongoing SCOTUS crisis. Uh, and then next week, I'll be having Assemblywoman Pam Hunter on uh, Zoom with Zarni. So, uh, and, and, and so if you have questions for her, let us know. Thank you, Judge, again. And, Thank you. Uh, Love uh, Zoom with Zarni. Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, we'll uh, get out there and see those voters. And uh, thank you, everyone. And we'll see you out in the virtual world. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. I get no